6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. A scathing report by a panel of Canadian Armed Forces veterans finds hundreds of recommendations made in previous studies over the past 20 years were never acted upon. The, pra- the panel is criticizing the military for not doing enough to detect and prevent white supremacists white supremacists and other extremists from infiltrating its ranks. It was also uh, sharply critical of the military's failure to address racism and discrimination. The report calls for more involvement from police and intelligence agencies and better training to recognize signs of extremism and hate. The defense minister, Anita Anand, released the report this morning saying... Uh, saying that uh, discrimination and systemic racism are degrading, demeaning, and violate the dignity that everyone deserves. National Defense has officially recognized that these practices exist in the defense team. And as this report today acknowledges, these obstacles hurt our operational capacity and harm the security of our country. Our first guest this afternoon is Dr. Christian Luprecht, who's a professor of political science, uh, political studies at the, the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University. He's an expert on security and defense. His latest book, by the way, is Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft, published by Oxford University Press. Dr. Luprecht, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jaylen. All right, your initial, uh, your initial thoughts when you heard the results of this latest report. So I think no one's entirely surprised here, but I think there's a couple of important nuances to this. One is that it is having a genuine impact on operational effectiveness, and the minister is acknowledging that insofar as, for instance, uh, there's now a significant number of uh, members who are at the junior rank, so the senior captain, junior major level, and you get the same at the non-commissioned member ranks, so master corporal, sergeant ranks, who are leaving after one or two tours because they're complaining about uh, discrimination, harassment, uh, misconduct, and the like. Um, And that is very costly to the organization because the organization has already invested heavily in these individuals to train them up, but it also means it shortens the already critical shortage of members who need to fill critical occupations in order to uh, to keep the organization going. The other is that, of course, the Canadian Armed Forces for 20 years the government has focused on operations and the organization is a small organization that means that this uh, focus constant focus on operations has meant the organization has not been able to uh, allocate staff to regenerating the force and maintaining and sustaining the force and I think this is at least part of the reason why you have all the previous reports that haven't been acted upon it's some of it might be willful neglect but a lot of it is simply you're constantly putting pushing all your staff to operations, then you don't have the staff to do the policy renewal, to do the procurement um, and sort of the back-end things that um, need to be done. They might not be sexy, but that are absolutely critical for the organization. And I think all this, the report is now showing, has really come to a head and is having a real detrimental impact on the Canadian Armed Forces meeting its operational mandate because uh, both of the cultural issues as well as the staffing issues that that's generating. 41 panels.
panels over the last 20 years have looked at this. There have been 258 recommendations uh, put out, um, you know, by these panels over the past two decades. Nothing's been done uh, on that front. You talk about uh, the impact on the operational mandate here, and 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 I think it's important that people realize that. I mean, the Canadian Canadian Armed Forces right now is is um, very understaffed. I mean, they're looking for people to fill pretty much positions across the board, aren't they? So the Canadian Forces is 7,600 members short as of February on what is known as authorized troop strength of about 72,000, but it is 10,000 members short operationally. Mm. That's because of the significant impasses in training and because of, as I sort of just explained, the members that are sort of in, in the pipeline that are leaving at critical junctures in that pipeline. And so that means the Canadian Forces is, is having to meet its mandate and its operations with 85% staffing. And that's also having an effect just on the other people in terms of burnout. So it's not just that people who are frustrated about misconduct, harassment, discrimination that are leaving. It's also having this impact on the rest of the organization where the people who are left are all having to do more work because of the short staffing. So there's these considerable knock-on effects. And the challenge is there's no immediate, ready, easy solutions to this. So Mm -hmm. it requires a very sustained effort. But I think what it requires first and foremost most is attention by the minister. When we had these sorts of challenges in the 1990s after the Somali inquiry, mm-hmm. we got a clear plan developed by Minister Colonet and then implemented by Minister Young, a 12-point plan with a ministerial monitoring committee to make sure that the department allocated the resources necessary and achieved specific milestones. And I think what this also suggests is that oh, these 41 panels over 20 years, it just hasn't been of particular interest to ministers. That is just not a priority because because it's not related to operations. And so it shows that ministers have to pay attention to issues that aren't just operational issues. They have to pay attention to force regeneration issues. They have to pay attention to force sustainment and maintenance issues because the the shortfalls on regeneration, on sustainment and maintenance have, as the minister explained, as I think as this minister has realized, very clear implications and ramifications for force readiness. Yeah, you, you've bring, you're bringing up uh, so many great points, Christian, as per usual. Um, where does one start then? When it, we, This latest report, and there's you know point after point after point after point ma- uh, made, where do you believe that the priority should focus? You can't do it all immediately. Where does it have to start? Well, the organization probably needs a 15-year plan to regenerate, rebuild, and, uh, and, and reconstitute itself. And part of that plan needs to be not just a procurement plan. It doesn't just need to be a – it also has to have strong uh, recruitment components, retention components, institutional culture components. And you're starting to get this in what is known as the CAF journey, mm-hmm. which now has six pillars, and it basically goes from recruitment right down to uh, to veterans and to individuals who have left the force. Um, we've recently seen a health and wellness strategy, a comprehensive well and, uh, well, uh, health and wellness strategy rolled out by the Canadian Armed Forces. So I think we're we're in the process of trying to, uh, of, of changing the way the organization approaches these issues and not just putting band-aids on them, but generating sustained change. But the challenge is there are now so many, uh, so many issues within the organization 
uh, that uh, you can't just fix them piecemeal by saying just concentrate on this or concentrate on that. Uh, there are so many little fires that are burning all over mm-hmm. the place uh, that it actually requires a systematic approach, a systematic strategy. And that means we need to get all the parties in the House of Commons together, the way they do it in Australia, the way it's done in France, and we need to have multi-partisan approvals for a comprehensive plan for the Canadian Armed Forces on the recognition that this is an organization that is essential to Canada's national power, to Canada's international policy, and to Canadian interests, and and it must be able to deliver for Canadians. We have to stop playing politics, and we need to get together and build a plan that everybody can support, irrespective of who's in power, and making sure we no longer kick sort of the political football in order Mm -hmm. to try to score political points on the back of the Canadian Armed Forces. Dr. Christian Luprecht joining me this afternoon. Um, The report says new recruits are, quote, repulsed by systemic racism in the armed forces, leaving many positions unfilled, putting national security at risk. You touched touched on that on the operational side. You teach at RMC. What do you hear from up-and-coming students or, you know, up-and-coming officers? Well, I think we have a significant cultural change uh, uh, under, uh, on the way within the organization. And, and places such as universities, in particular RMC, tend to be in terms of the institutional culture ahead of the rest of the organization. So it gives me a lot of hope if we see the recruits and we see our graduating officer cadets. But the challenge, as the report points out, is that we actually need to be able to retain those individuals. We need to make sure that they see in the Canadian Armed Forces an employer that provides them genuine quality of opportunity, regardless of race, of creed, of gender. And it appears that we are making inroads, for instance, with members of immigrant communities, mm-hmm. with members of indigenous communities, but where the organization is falling woefully short is on women. And the organization has actually become less attractive to women in recent years. We are declining in terms of the proportion of women. And of course, one of the ways, and it's only one aspect, but one of the ways you remedy issues of discrimination, misconduct, and so forth, is to make sure that the organization is reasonably representative of the society that it serves. And as the report points out, um, these challenges within the organization undermine the organization's ability to represent the society it serves, which also means then um, it isn't recruiting from the broadest recruit pool possible, which means it isn't attracting the host of talent, um, maximizing and optimizing the talent that is available in this terrific country. Before I let you go, if um, Canada was called upon to respond, uh, say for instance, like it did um, in 2001, 2002, uh, to go into Afghanistan, if they were called upon on a, on a larger scale to do something, for example, Ukraine, and I know that's 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 broad-based question, would we be able to do it and do it successfully? I think the organization has been treading water for, for some time. It's been able to keep its head above water, but the, uh, the, the complement of compounding challenges within the organization are now genuinely putting at risk the ability of the organization to deliver for Canadians, to deliver for the government of Canada, to deliver for the continent, and to deliver for our allies. And that's why it is essential that the government double down. And the challenge here is we can't just have another policy change. We can't just have another plan. We need a plan that actually will work and a plan that is implementable, 
in a plan that is being monitored and where we have clear measures of success because if we fail at this again it I, I very much fear it will actually break the organization and that would leave Canada in a very perilous place given both the domestic challenges and international challenges that we face as a country as always Christian appreciate your time and your insights thank you for this it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Jalen. Take care. Dr. Christian Luprecht, uh, Professor of Political Science at the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University, an expert on security and defence.